Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Yeah! You ready to get excited? <laughs> School bus crash! About some, about some heavy interpersonal drama? Hey, everybody. About the about the corrosive nature of grief and anger? Yeah. <laughs> my name my name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. And we just watched The Sweet Hereafter. <laughs> the School Sweet Bus Crash. <laughs> Let's party. It's dull in our town since my playmates left. I can't forget that I'm bereft of all the pleasant sights they see which the piper also promised me. In a town where no one is a stranger. In a place where everyone feels like family. Something has happened that will change their lives forever. Oh man, so fucking amped. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank Stephen. Stephen is our Patreon producer who uh, uh, was like, you know what? I want you to watch this uh, 1997 Canadian drama. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, because I would not have seen this movie otherwise. And I'm gonna say right off the bat, this is a movie worth seeing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, this was yeah. nominated for Best Director, I think. Uh, not Best Picture, I don't believe. But um, yeah, yeah, this is... This it's was, been uh, called the Best Canadian Film. Yes. Which, uh, I don't know about that. I'll have to look at a list. But it's certainly... This is quite a film. Yeah, this is... Uh, woof. Very, very... Uh, <laughs> man, this is a... Uh, this is a heavy it's, drama. <laughs> yeah. It was, I kept having these moments I wrote like, this is a really bleak car wash scene. This is a really bleak fairground scene. This is a really bleak <laughs> film, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Ian Holm uh, plays a lawyer who uh, uh, is going to a small town where there was a school bus crash. Yes. Killing a lot of children. A whole lot. The bus goes off the road and falls through the ice in a frozen lake. And yep. most of the children on board drown. Yep. One of them is paralyzed. Did you recognize who yeah, that was? Yeah, Sarah Polly, yeah. Yeah. I was like, shit, that's the lady from Dawn of the Dead, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, what's she in? Baron Munchausen, I think, is yeah. the uh, yeah. Gilliam movie she's in. You know what took me a minute? Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood, yeah. He does not <laughs> look like himself. He's like all all bearded up, and he's missing like a front tooth. Uh yeah. Yeah, did not recognize yeah. Bruce Greenwood for like three scenes. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a real Chris Cooper and adaptation. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real uh, shit kicker. 
<laughs> yeah, he's doing a. Everybody's doing great work. This is a. Yeah, um, this is a very very well acted movie. Yeah, I would say this is a good film. This is movie, this, is good this movie film, is right? good as shit. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it's not even the subject matter is very very heavy, but it's not even that bleak. It's not that ultimately bleak. It's bleak, man. It's hard to. I'm, I'm trying to articulate what I'm saying. This movie is about bleak, serious uh, topics, but the movie itself, you don't come away from it necessarily feeling bleak and nihilistic. It's just from from on the scale of Mad Max Fury Road to kids, uh, I would put this in moderate. Yeah. Yeah. This gives you a like, lot of stuff yeah. to think about. It's a good exploration of of grief and the different ways that can affect yourself and the people around you. But it doesn't, and, and it's it's sad, but it's not. It didn't bum me out. It's not. It wasn't trying. It wasn't like mean. It wasn't trying. Yeah, it's not. The movie's not trying just, to be cruel. The movie is no. It's it it's very. It is what it, it is. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't pile on. Uh, but it yes, it deals with very depressing situations. Situations that I would argue, if uh, you know, you you have specific uh, triggers, you would not want to see. They deal with um, sexual assault, a father molesting a child. Mm-hmm. They deal with um, not. It's well, not. It's not death. portrayed gratuitously. I, I will say that very. No, quickly. it's not. Again, that's. I think that's what we're yeah, getting at. The, is you, the film you, doesn't? They don't show anything. They they don't show anything upsetting it's all just talked about and implied Mm -hmm. and so that's that's it it's like they're not trying to upset you they just it's almost like they understand what the subject matter that it's upsetting and they're actually trying to specifically not upset you right this movie yeah I, i think they sort of wanted people who had experienced a hugely tragic loss like like the loss of a child to be able yeah. to actually sit through it and see what it has to say about that so it's not it doesn't do any th- any of these things gratuitously it is not gratuitous yeah um but it's worth warning people also yes yeah 100 yeah. percent. I, I don't know if this is considered this a trigger warning it is told non-linearly which for me is something that i like to be told about before a film starts it's a it's conf- the first 10 minutes are a little confusing yeah yeah my first note was this car wash is really long because it starts with ian holm in a car wash and then it cuts to like a fair and then it cuts back to him in the lo- the car wash and it was just like wait a second how yeah. long is he in this car wash and then he's stuck in the car wash uh i hope he got that car they never follow up yeah he just sort of leaves it <laughs> yeah the the so the premise is yeah ian holm is a lawyer Yes. Uh, and uh, like, again, he's going into this town and there was this horrible accident where, uh, yeah, the school bus, as we learn later, skids off the road and crashes into a lake. It's Canada. So it's, you know, frozen lake. And then uh school bus sinks in the lake. Uh, it's intercut with it. So that is in 1995, I believe. Yes, yeah. In 1997, Ian Holm is flying to somewhere he's flying uh, to visit his daughter yeah i just don't know the the location yeah I don't it's it's a it's uh, a city the 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 accident happens in like the country like they're kind of out in the boonies it's a small town and he's yeah. he's flying into like a major city it's not clear which one and i don't and, know canadian ge- i don't know geography anyway i don't know shit about where stuff is in canada so i, right. I have no idea where what yeah. city this is uh, but he's flying there and he uh, he happens to sit next to uh, a friend of his daughter 
and what he slowly explains to her and what we already kind of know is his daughter for whatever reason they had a falling out and it's one of those chicken or the eggs we don't really know but we know that she's not doing great she's addicted to heroin uh and other yeah. drugs and she's been she is... in and out of clinics for many many years um and we slowly learn through the course of the film that the reason he's flying out to meet her is that she just contacted him and told him that she was hiv positive yes again bleak fucking subject matter yeah so th- uh, it's she it's also is very hostile towards him and again yes. that's what the chicken and the egg is is it's like it seems like she's lied to him a lot and he seems very broken down so it seems like she's a monster to him but i would i would say that by the end you're you're not entirely sure uh and that's the, the uh, not, that's the idea i think that is the idea i would say there's a big parallel between the uh girl that ian Holm is dealing with with the bus and uh the, the girl who's been paralyzed i forget her character's name nicole and that's his uh, Sarah daughter. nicole yeah yep. and his daughter where it's like we're seeing like the beginnings of a resentment or hostility and it's that idea of like how i mean the movie in general is a it's it's tackling the subject of grief Mm-hmm. and what it does to people right and it's yes. mixed with it's mixed with parent relationships with their kids and it's mixed with guilt yes there's all those things and anger uh rage is a huge factor in yes. this movie because what we sort of also there's joey who steals from cottages and sells antique to city folk do we ever meet joey they I just mentioned joey i don't know yeah i don't think so i'm sorry I flagged that because they're t- going to the parents. I was like, that sounds like hero to me. Uh, he just goes to cottages and steals antiques. Oh yeah. And that's, sells that's the, the point of that scene is so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should I'm jumping around. We much should, like we, the movie. Is. We should move along. <laughs> so like, so basically he, Ian Holm gets to town right after the accident. This is in 1995. Um, yeah. so in 97, he's just on a plane, basically sort of relaying the story of his deteriorating relationship with his adult daughter to this also adult woman who used to be a friend of, of his daughters when they were little. And he's so shell shocked that he, do- he doesn't even remember her. And she has to remind yes. him, like, well, I was your friend with your daughter. He's like, Oh, uh, right. Right. And she's like, yeah, you remember, you remember my dad? And he's like, yeah, right. Your dad, what does he do? And she says he was your, your he was a partner in your law firm. You guys worked yeah. together for a long. Like that's how fucking shell shocked he is by this is he has no memory of this woman or who her father is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're in 95. We see him meet with one set of parents. Um, he's basically meeting with different parents in the town who lost kids in the accident. Um, and in this first meeting, it's between Risa and her husband. I forget his name. Wendell, I think Risa and Wendell, uh, they right. own, a, they own a motel. Um, we come to find out that Reese is having an affair with Bruce Greenwood's character, uh, who is and named. And who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't? He's he's Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and yeah. <laughs> middle yeah. of middle of nowhere Canada. There's a guy who looks like Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> so, yeah, you, 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 you're gonna tap that. He's gonna be yeah. a popular dude. Yeah. Um, and they basically he's sitting down, uh, talking to them about you know building their own case and he also wants to know what other parents in the community he should talk to so right off the bat he's sort of 
He only wants reputable. He people. wants the people whose grief is worthy, basically. And it's exactly from a practical standpoint because he knows. He says, like, look, I need to know all the parents who would a be willing to let uh, also open a case because the more parents I have, the more people I'm representing, the stronger this case is basically. Yeah. Um, As a lawyer, he's very practical. I would argue that the movie ultimately concludes that he's, he's a bastard. He's wrong. Doing yeah. This. He's yeah. wrong. Yeah. There's a, the repeated motif of the Pied Piper. Um, yeah. And this, the, the basic theme of the movie is that the misplaced rage that often comes with grief uh, when there is no no one and no thing to blame yes, um, ends up destroying families, destroying communities, and destroying individual people. It's letting go of anger, and how do you do that? Yes. Because what he says right away... Re- and, and repeatedly, this isn't like, repeatedly yeah. he says it, yeah. This is not a reveal. Well, uh, uh, so first of all, yeah, he says, I want to direct your rage. Let me be but the your other, rage. Let me direct it. Yeah, that's what yeah, he keeps the saying. Other th- the other thing he says is, I don't believe in accidents. There is always someone to blame. Yes. And what we this is the thing that doesn't feel like a reveal. You just slowly, throughout the film, at one some point or another, I'm sure it's different for other people, you realize there's no one to blame. You, you realize no one this was, was an it accident. It was an accident. Yeah. This, yeah. The, the bus driver, we meet her. She's a lovely lady. Everybody in the town loves her. She loves the kids dearly. She's very, very responsible. So she wasn't at fault. Bruce Greenwood re- like reveals at one point, because he's like, oh, there was a faulty bolt or something was wrong with the bus. And he was like, I work, I do the, the checkups on that bus. Like, I'm the mechanic. There was right. nothing wrong with that bus. Yeah, and his kids died. And his kids so, died like, on the bus. He, so yeah, it's like, are you going to sue him? Like, what? Yeah, and, you know? but, but him saying it, it's like, he, you know, he's he's not impartial and even he's exactly, saying yeah and even the he bus is, is saying fine. Uh, but of course and then there's they're a, like and there's then they're a, like maybe the town maybe the guardrail but the truth is she was going the speed limit like she always did she hit a patch of ice she went through the guardrail and that was it was unfortunate and they went it's on a, a, a lake that was frozen yeah and, and they fell and through, there's yeah. no one did anything wrong yeah uh is kind of what they're getting at that ba- yeah basically and ian holm we learn because of his relationship with his daughter and he tells this very harrowing story of when she got bit by black widows when she was an infant and he had to drive her to the hospital but the doctor told him over the phone like look we can't get an ambulance out to you. you're gonna have to drive us here yourself but she's having a allergic reaction her throat might close before you get here so the doctor over the phone tells him how to do an emergency tracheotomy um so like he recounts this story to uh, his daughter's friend on the airplane about midway through the movie. Um, And it's basically, he tells the story of how his wife had to drive uh, and he had to sit um, because he was the only one who could maintain his calm. Like his wife was too emotional. So he was like, okay, you drive. I'll keep the, the, his, the daughter in in his lap uh, and keep her calm because he was, he basically says, I only, did it because i was better at acting like i was better at yeah hiding. he is the better actor yeah um so he's there and there's literally a shot of him holding the baby and comforting the baby and you can see just behind the baby's head he's got this pen knife out at the ready to cut her throat open to save her life so like he's in this perpetual state of impossible tension yeah um and that's sort of where he's remained his whole life and he's in this situation with his daughter where drug addiction uh, you know, it's it, it, it's basically it's the idea of harming her to save her life. Exactly that question. 
of like knowing what's better for her. Do I have to do something terrible to save her life? And then it's the, yeah, it's the tension of also trying to keep his cool, mm-hmm. uh, watching this thing happen. And he says tension, at one point, one last thing real quick is that sure, there's, no, no. there's no, there's no clear person to blame in this situation. When somebody, when you're dealing with a drug addict, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't really trace it back to, well, how did this all start? It's just like, and there's not, uh, there's no outlet for his, the anger he feels. Cause he can't be angry at her. If he gets angry at her, it just makes things worse. Right. So the movie yeah. recognizes gray areas, but it also draws some very clear lines too. Yes, and that's what I mean. It's like at the end when there's the reflection of um, Nicole and what she's going through, and then the realize with the daughter, it's like it's obviously not the same situation. Ian Holm did not molest his daughter, most likely, uh, but it's that no, idea the, of the like, movie would have told us, I believe, yeah, if, if that was the, the yeah. The idea is like these resentments and how they build from moments of grief or trauma. Uh, and that it's like, yeah, there's probably something his daughter went through besides the Black Widow thing. You yeah. know, there, there's there's all sorts. Of, and yeah, it's the point is that it's not clear uh, most of the time. Again, it's it's trying. It's not trying to say everything is gray area because mm-hmm. like the dad molesting his daughter. Not good. Not that's good. bad. Yeah. That's he looks bad. like Tommy Wiseau, too. So that doesn't help. That he doesn't lo- help anybody. He looks a little like the um, the preacher from Midnight Mass. <laughs> yeah he does but yeah uh and so then it's the same idea of like an actually accident. you know dave this- you know who he fucking looked like he looks like nick cave <laughs> he does yep. oh he's, terrifying like the long hair and he's even like a musician like that's yeah we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but- uh and then and then there's obviously not every accident isn't right there are, uh, there's there there are people to blame sometimes plenty of it's accidents this, where there's somebody to blame yeah yeah it's more about yeah that the general feeling of grief and like what to do about it and what to do about rage and even if there you can direct it how much good does that do right you? yeah what does it ultimately serve and in this instance it basically so he's going to around to different parents in the community to figure out who's going to let him represent them um and he manages to get three different sets of parents he's got risa and wendell um who had a, a little boy who who drowned wendell's a real piece of shit um he's he's Wait, me- which he, one's wendell wendell's the they're the couple that own the hotel and he's they're the parents oh, yeah. in the first scene where he's like in ian holm's ear he's only too happy to tell ian holm why everybody else in the town sucks like every yeah. name he brings up wendell has something shitty to say about them yes and right. he also he also shouts risa down like every time she tries to yeah. speak up he like yeah, yells at he her sucks. and tells her to shut up he sucks and that's where i learned about joey who again i want to meet joey but yeah uh want to meet joey and then yeah then there's the a-frame hippies but that comes later yeah um, they're the next set of parents he visits uh the autos are their name they're very artist artistic and there's this very cynical moment where they're they had an adopted son who drowned um and wendell's like oh yeah they have an adopted son he's a little indian boy and he's like oh good that adopted indian judge. boys will play well with the judge and it's yeah, very cynical like that. very cynical but again he's right. being practical as a lawyer but also taking this impossible grief and like being very callous and weaponizing it right you know? because well i think the key is that he's not talking to all the families he doesn't want all the families no he just wants the ones that have a good record 
so that it feels like an airtight case. Yes. And that I think is what makes him a bastard. Yeah. Um, I think the, the idea of if you heard about a bus accident with a bunch of kids and you're a lawyer who can do class action, action suits, I think there's a respectable way to contact that family. And yes. I, I don't know when, I don't know what the, the I'm not, I'm not a class action lawyer, so I don't know, but I think there's, there's, there's parents who would want to talk to someone and, if someone was at fault, you know, like it makes sense to do that. He, one, his best argument, which I, the only argument I actually believed, um, is he says, I'm not doing it. It's not, he says this to the hippie parents. He says, it's not for, it's not for me. I mean, it is for him, but it is, uh, for him, it's yeah. not, it's not for you, but the, the, I, I just mean the pitch, whether or not it's a lie or not, that makes the most sense is he says it's for future children, which is, I believe the point of a, a lot of class action lawsuits. Yeah, that's um, the idea. And yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah the thing that makes Ian Holm a bastard is he's very obviously, as we just said, he's in a situation where there's nobody. He can't direct his rage uh, in his situation yeah. where he's essentially lost his child. So he's wants to be angry by proxy for these people because that's how he feels better. Yes, and ultimately, there's just no one to go after, mm-hmm. uh, and so like, and also he makes money from this. Yeah, and so this is like, how he makes money. I do kind yeah. of feel like the money is secondary to him in this. Like he's yeah, yeah, you're he right. He is personally invested rage. in this for what it means to him. Right, and but like it is, it, yeah. It, he's trying to fucking squeeze water from a stone here. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, there's nothing for them to go after, and he's gonna find something. It's, it's the idea. It's the most clear in the scenes where he meets with the autos who are the hippie parents. And when he's meeting with the bus driver who is just horribly injured in a neck brace, she she's having difficulty moving. And her husband is also uh, wheelchair bound because he has a stroke and he's not even communicative. So it, it went in her, in his interactions with her and with the autos is when we get the biggest sense, the clearest sense that his presence here is a disservice to this community. Like he is, He's clawing yeah. at a wound, uh, and he's not helping these people by doing it. Right. And again, he it is a little about the money, because he says, like, because the obvious question is, why don't you go after the bus driver? And he says something of like, ah, eh, she's only insured for a couple right, million. The, 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 they've already paid their, the, she was insured to the school board, and the school has already paid out that insurance. Yeah, so and it it's wasn't, like, it wasn't very much. Yeah. And so there's nothing there. So it's like, he doesn't want a situation where it was the bus driver's fault. He wants it to be the bus company's fault or the 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 city's fault. He wants to sue the city. He wants to sue the school. He wants to sue the people who made the bus. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. uh, uh, Anyway, you're describing that scene with her. Oh yeah. There's a scene where he's, it's, it's in his interactions when he's trying to convince the bus driver to let him represent her. And he's trying to convince the autos to let him represent them. The bus driver ultimately turns him down. Um, uh, and but the autos uh hire him um but in both scenes like they're just people who are the autos are shell-shocked by the grief they're like zombies basically and they initially don't want to talk to him and he gets in there and is real it's very clear he's not helping them as is the best way to describe it it's like he's just these people are like ragged with grief and he's like no you've and they're initially not angry and he's like no you've got to be angry like he talks them into it and it's like you're yeah it's it's the most predatory he seems and then with the uh the bus driver she's 
still very grief stricken, but she's more, she's in a better place. Obviously, none of the kids were her children, but she still feels an incredible amount of guilt and responsibility. But she's more, it seems like she's more, she's accepted what happened, what's happened. She's still very, she's very sad. She talks about the kids as if they're still alive. You yes. notice that? She talks about yes. them in the present tense. Yes. So there's these moments where she has to like remember that the kids are dead. Yeah. Um, but she's handling it, I guess, a little better. Or at least she's, she's still... like The way she deals with things is by being cheerful. Um, right. And so he's getting in there and clawing at that uh, to try to get her angry. So that she'll add his anger to add her anger to the pile, and that's not helpful for her. That's not how she deals with things. So it's like he's he's trying to extract anger from the autos and from the bus driver, and anger is not part of their tool set. If that makes right. sense, so yeah, he's doing and, and them again, a disservice by trying to get them enraged. Right, because again, I think it's very clear it's an accident from the start. So like, it's again the anger is understandable if there was something to be angry at right and there's just nothing and so he has to create the anger he has to get them angry at nothing well and at yeah the, that's what makes it really toxic and at the community it's because it's a small community so like he's talking right. about abstract what are to him abstracts like oh we sue the school and it's like but that's our school we send all our kids there it's like oh we we sue the town it's like but this is our town like where's that you're taking like we're just we're you're, you're yeah we're a community he's putting them at each other's throats basically it's what bruce greenwood basically points yes, out which is yeah. like when he he approaches and he's the only one who's like i need like he's begging people to drop the suit and he's just like i'll give you the money that i got for my kids if that, you need money he's in a f- interesting position um he's the town mechanic uh his wife passed away a few years prior to the accident of cancer um, right. And he's been having an affair with Risa, the the motel owner, um, because as we've as we've gone over, her husband Wendell's a piece of shit, right? Um, and he's got that Bruce Greenwood, yeah, you know, you know. And he's he's he appears to be a good guy, so yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, but he every morning because he's so he's still so upset by his wife's passing, he follows the bus to school and he like waves at his kids, uh, so he just because that's a thing he does every morning, he winds up becoming the most important witness to the accident. Yeah. Cause he's right. He's driving behind the bus when it happens. He saw it happen. He knows exactly he knows how fast speed. they were going. Yeah. yeah. So he tells them, he basically goes over to, um, the fucking child molester's house who we haven't yep. even gotten to him yet, but he, he basically, he says, look, if, if, if these lawsuits start happening, um, I'm going to get subpoenaed over and over and over again because he witnessed the thing. He's like the most important witness. And he's like, so you're going to make me go through this countless times. I'm going to have to get up there on the stand and exp- and relive the the morning I watched my children die. Like, that's, right. what, that's this, what you're doing to me by doing this yeah. lawsuit. This is one of those tropes that's in movies, it's in real life, which is like, it, it's also... Um, a really 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 good argument against death death penalty is that every time they file an appeal guess who has to go into court it's the victim's family they have to relive it over like the death penalty creates this situation where it stretches out the grief and there's a lot of articles about how prosecutors will like treat the families like celebrities and then just ghost them 
when it's all over. Uh, and, and there's a lot of debate around these processes and what it actually does to the victims' families and how it ultimately doesn't help. Uh, and there's other avenues that could help them more with their grief, mm-hmm. such as actually confronting the people who did the thing. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, but I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, where, where Bruce Greenwood is, is a very familiar thing, which is that when something gets drawn out in court, that means the victims have to relive the trauma over and over again. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's not worth it. Yeah. He doesn't want to yeah. do that shit. So yeah, he goes yeah, over to their house and he's like, yeah. listen, I'll give you my portion of the settlement. Cause I don't like he, I say, like, Hey, I don't have anything left. Like his kids are both dead. His wife is dead. It's just him. Like I have yeah, nothing. He's like I have no hotels. use. I have no use for this money. Right. He's gonna go on a fuck tour, just fucking people. Well, in even hotels. That, like it ends their relationship. Like it ends their affair. Oh yeah. Like he stops. He's like too. That's why it's a fuck tour. He yeah exactly yeah. Other um, hotels. It, it's man. <laughs> yeah. No. No. And so like and again the the other part of that is he says like remember how we used to be a community that helped each other mm-hmm. like why do we need this lawyer this big city lawyer this fast talking lawyer to come in and like tear us apart like this because then other families are getting other lawyers and like again he didn't he didn't fucking represent everybody uh, just only the three families only the yeah. three parents who had the least in their background that a uh, defense attorney could use against them. Yes. Uh, which you would, it's so cynical because you would argue like, why would a defense attorney use anything against anyone? Cause it's their when job. It's this situation. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I don't know. It, it, again, very, yeah, very cynical shit. And then you think like the bus driver is going to get fucked over because that seems like the logical. And that's kind of place what ends, to up, go. ends up happening. Um, yeah, yes, yes. For we should, sure. We should we should talk about the other family. We should talk about the final family. Yeah. There's okay, so <laughs> this I, is a tricky family. This here. is the tricky family. So we've, we, we have the f- we've got oh, Sam the father who looks like Nick Cave uh yeah. and his teenage daughter uh Nicole who is Sarah Polly. Um yep. and they clearly have a big bond over music. She plays guitar and sings and he's like a school he's like the school custodian it seems. Um, right. And he's building a, a, a built a big stage for her and her band to perform at the fair that's coming up, like right before the accident happens. But we right. also find out that part of this music rock star fantasy that they share involves they go to a candlelit barn every so often and he molests her. Right. Which terrible. Also fire hazard. Yes. All those candles I... around that. Hey, that's not a good idea. No, that's a terrible idea. But yeah, that's not the main problem. No, that's not uh, the main problem. So she's yeah. in the bus. And then she's also, there's this uh, common thread for all these characters is everybody's life is intertwined, basically, because of the community. Yeah. There's this, the idea of community and the fact that this anger is just going to turn everybody against themselves and destroy the community. And for what good? Like, it, this is the moment when they need to be able to lean on each other this is what the movie right. is, is saying anyway and did you get the vibe with the 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 scumbag child molester father that he's like afraid he's gonna get found out during yes. all this too yes. yeah there's yes. these moments where he's looking at her and he's he knows it's it's not related but it's like she says stuff where she's like any question you ask me i'm gonna tell the truth and he yep. gets terrified by that yep uh yeah it's the fact so that there's like, lawyers now and all this attention on them and their family he is because he is cagey yeah 
Yeah. And they present that family as a model family. They keep mm-hmm. saying, oh, they're great people yeah. because they're uh, har- he's hiding this horrible fucking thing he's doing. Yeah. And there's a little bit yeah. of that, like, you know, they're um, Risa and Billy are hiding an affair. I mean, it's way, way less right. serious. Billy but- seems, yeah, I couldn't tell if Billy was concerned about that, but it felt more like it he it was he didn't want to relive the trauma i think it's like it became like their bond the, yeah their bond became shared grief like because risa also lost her child right and that's just like not a good basis for a relationship no. um especially but, not just one that's just sex right just when you're just like it's just like right because the whole idea of like we we see them together once before the accident and it's they're just having fun like it's not exactly it's not anything super serious they're just like teenagers having fun almost right and it makes it emotional basically yeah. it, it, it's like yeah no it's a very practical you know decision to be like you know what we should probably shouldn't have sex anymore yeah this is real heavy now yeah um so sarah polly survives the accident but she's paralyzed from the waist down now yeah um so there's a couple of things that pass between her and her dad that are unsaid and we're sort of left to us to infer right but you sort but the of main thing oh sorry well the main thing is that the relationship has now changed yeah which is uh, it was already fucked up and then yes. it becomes even more fucked up where it's like it seems like he's not interested in her no in any regard because she can't that's less like she can't be the rock star fantasy for him anymore and there's yeah she's, she says something to that effect she says like well, I'm just a wheelchair girl now. How how can I be a rock star now? And there's this look that passes between them. So there's like... Uh, it's profoundly fucked up. Yeah, and there's a moment where he carries her into the bedroom and then they, they kind of have a moment and then he sort of awkwardly gets up and leaves. So it's like, oh, is this a moment where normally he might have abused her and now he's not because she's in a wheelchair and now he feels guilty right. about that and it's making him and feel she, guilty about what he's doing. And she feels all sorts of fucked up. <laughs> Because it's, it's the she, idea of like he's treating her like she's not desirable, yes. which it's like he shouldn't have treated her like she was desirable in the first place. No, obviously, no. But she is the victim of abuse, and yes. she has been like born into this situation. And yeah. Who knows how long it's been happening? Yeah. So it's like this double fucked up for her. She feels unwanted like, by her. Exactly, dad. because it's like the only way he was expressing love. Yep. Uh, which is fucked. It's all kinds up. of. It's all kinds of fucked up. But basically, yeah. she is very sad and she's angry, uh, yeah. and it's and it's unclear. They it's never it's it's all unsaid, so we're left to infer this. It's not clear whether she's angry at him. What what exactly she's angry at him about? I think she is. I think she's angry at him. But I know, yeah, I don't think she can. She could articulate it. She, yeah. you know, she probably will be able to when she's older. Yes. But this is, I think, this is where the movie is drawing those lines where it's mm-hmm. the anger and grief we saw that he was trying to milk out of those families mm-hmm. was wrong and artificial. Whereas this girl's anger is very justified yes uh and it's not even about the crash no she is angry and i guess that's what they're trying to show which is that there are accidents and then there are not accidents and what this man was doing to his daughter not an accident not an accident this is where you hire a lawyer this is where you look for blame this is where someone goes to jail yeah uh and they're showing the the very stark difference between the both and how like in one instance 
these people are struggling to get angry and struggling to find blame but have that feeling like they need it and on the other side this girl doesn't know yet to do that you know like she doesn't feel like like i feel like that's part of it she's so young that she doesn't doesn't, fully understand that she's being victimized and she doesn't understand uh, why she's angry entirely um but so her deposition ends up being the last deposition that they take um ian holmes says well you know i want to i he he says he has her for last so that she can rest and recover which is probably partially true but also because hers is kind of the slam dunk deposition right in in, in the eyes of a courtroom and the eyes of optics it's like oh this is the poor she- uh injured uh girl whose life is now irreparably changed because of this accident so right she- and she's probably the only survivor uh being interviewed like it doing seems, a deposition. it seems like she is the only child that survived the accident it's yeah. not i'm not entirely positive that that's correct they do mention some other children lived but they we never meet them okay so, so i think the idea is she's like a babysitter she's the older of the the group of the kids right. so the implication is she's the only person who it's like you'd responsibly put on the witness stand right she's like 15 maybe around there yeah um anyway so she comes in to do her deposition up to this point she has no memory of the accident um she just doesn't you know the the trauma of it uh, the physical and emotional she just doesn't remember the accident um so they're having her give her deposition which is supposed to be relatively straightforward her dad is in the room with her and then ian holm is sitting next to her and as she's giving her deposition we see her decide to lie basically she lies and says the bus driver was speeding and that yeah going 70 and she saw it yeah and that she was scared um she could see the speedometer even though everything she's saying is demonstrably false like obviously bruce greenwood would testify that they weren't going 72 miles an hour there's no way you can see the speedometer in a school bus unless you're over the line um you right. have to be we, so we we forgot a very key detail. Oh, what's that? Is that when Bruce Green- Greenwood goes over the house to convince them not to drop the lawsuit and right. explain she why. Overhe- Sir Polly overhears she, it. Yeah. So she knows that she, she knows what uh, her parents want. They want the money. They want money. They want this. She knows that other people that the other witness doesn't want to testify and she knows how to tank the case and she has from all of that she has a relationship with billy too she has uh it's not inappropriate <laughs> like, not like no. but she she babysits she babysat his children before they died they clearly like he gave her some of his dead wife's clothes because he's yeah, like i don't know he, i'm just gonna throw it like because he doesn't know what to do he's actually a father figure it yes. seems like she it's it, there's an interesting when she's babysitting the kids, his kids, and reading them the Pied Piper, and the Pied Piper is a repeated motif throughout the film because it's about a guy who does a job for this town. They stiff him on the bill, so he basically steals the, their kids as punishment because he's mad. And then there's there's a, por- a part where the one of the kids stops her and says, why did the Pied Piper do that? Is he mean? And she's like, well, no, he's not mean. He's just very angry. Um, right. So it's this idea of basically turning a community against itself because you're mad uh, about money. Um, So, and, but as she's reading the story, she's sitting there in between the two kids and you can see a framed picture of their dead mother just over the kid's shoulder. So she's clearly occupying like a motherly role for them. Yes. Um, So so there's like, it's again, it's this idea of how like 
the whole community is connected basically all their all their li- they're all their lives are intertwined with each other um so she hears uh, all of that is to say she cares about billy um and yeah. so she hears what this is going to do to billy um if this lawsuit happens and that also her dad her parents but specifically her dad really wants this money from the lawsuit so that's why she fucking sandbags the lawsuit yeah uh, her dad she's making eye contact with her dad as he does it as she does it and he's like he can't speak he's so shell-shocked by it right and she it's like her first moment of realization yeah. and like you know what fuck all this. fuck this and fuck you in particular yeah like yep. he knows exactly why she's doing what she's doing but he can't he can't tell he can't Ian say Holm. anything yeah he can't tell and anybody Ian why Holm, Ian Holm's pissed and he's like he says to also it just noted that Ian Holm buys her a computer mm-hmm. uh, before all this, but Ian Holm is pissed. And then, uh, and he says to him, like, your concern now is like the, the lawsuit's over. I'm leaving. This is over. You need to think about why she did this because mm-hmm. that's your biggest problem right now. And of course he knows, he knows exactly why she yeah. did it. Yeah. And he gets in the car and she says, you think he'll let us keep the computer? Uh, which is just a, a, a little cherry on top of that. Yeah, it's a nice little glib fucking smack yeah. to his fucking face. Yeah, and like the, <laughs> the impression you get is that, again, it's not the same as Ian Holm with his daughter because Ian Holm is way more sympathetic than this scumbag. Yeah. Uh, but we're seeing the start of this girl kind of going down a road that could either be positive or negative, you know, like kind of becoming dead to this man for again I th- for good reason i think we're supposed uh, to infer that it's going to be good because the other it's reason gonna, yeah i think it's going to be good and i i, I think of her it, she might be the other side of the coin then of the daughter where it's like i don't know it, it's there's well, a lot of weird little parallels and they're not one-to-one yeah and there's a lot of stuff that's not said like we're, we're left no. to interpret a lot of this but they show yeah. like her at an amusement park at the end and she's happy and she delivers like a little uh, uh, soliloquy sort of bit of narration at the end about and it's where the film's title comes in where it's like we're we all we all have to live in the suite hereafter yeah that now this town is different <clears throat> after yeah this. so she's basically we've seen that she has roots in this community and that she's got people she can actually depend on in this community so by sort of sandbagging the lawsuit She's screwing her dad over. Um, she's she's punishing her dad, but she's also preserving the community that she knows she'll be able to lean on instead of her dad. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's high. They, uh, you're right. They never like wrap it up, but there's heavy implication that her dad is not going to be around much longer. No. Uh, and she, and that's what this moment is signifying is yep. her ability to stand up for herself and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know. she, yeah, she's got a clear father figure in Billy. Um, yeah. There's other, it's, they, they do a lot to show that she's doing this to preserve the community. Yeah. Not just to punish her dad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, meanwhile, Ian Holm, uh, you know, get, get lands at the airport. We never see him see his daughter. No. Um, they're never in the same, they're never in the same room together. They just, they no, only interact over the, the phone. It's not the point. It's not the point. No. Uh, he spits out white goo. He was a robot the entire time. Mm-hmm. This is his, his, his blood is milk. Yeah. His blood um, is milk. No, he sees the bus driver at the airport and she's, yep. dri- she's driving a city bus now. Um, yeah. Which honestly she's doing okay. Considering well, there, the, the thing is, is he, he sees her and she sees him. They have a moment and she kind of smiles at him. Yeah. So it's like, 
yeah, she's not. She's she. It, the implication is that she was sort of uh, exiled from the community, but she's okay. Right. That's the 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 final thing is that the girl kind of uh, oof, bad choice of words, but threw her under the bus. Uh, yeah. She, he he. Sh- someone got blamed, even though no one was to blame, and she obviously didn't have. She wasn't arrested. It wasn't a legal thing, but it was clear that she needed to move on. I'm guessing like uh, her husband might've passed, you know, like we don't know it's, we don't need he to He wasn't know, in great shape. Yeah, yeah. The implication is she was pushed out of the community for sure. Either she left on her own or she was pushed out. Uh, and yeah, you, you go to the city, you, you need to, you know, you're going to have a gap in your resume. You're not going to want to talk about, you know, the time you, ki- you killed all those kids, killed all those kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, he's still twisting in the wind, but he's also at an uncertain point where he's about to go uh, visit his daughter who he has referred to throughout the film as being dead to him. Um, like the only, right. the only time he's honest is with Billy. Like when there, he has a scene with Billy where he's, he was at the garage photographing the bus and then Billy Such shows a good up. Scene. Yeah. I think my favorite scene because yeah. he's like a he's like a fucking creep because Billy shows up to just look at the bus and then he has to like come out of the shadows. Yeah, and well, then it's his, he it's talks his shop about, too. Like it's his garage. Yeah, yeah. And and then he talks to him and he's at first he's like, "Will you sue me if I beat you so bad you piss blood?" Uh, and he just get, he gets a call and just starts revealing what is what's going on with his daughter. Mm-hmm. He says, "Love turns to steaming piss." He says that to the uh, no, friend on the flight. He says on the flight. Yeah, he says on love, the bummer flight. Yeah, he says after a while, love when it's like goes through all this. I forget exactly how he frames it, but once you go through all this anger and resentment, love just turns to piss. That's what he says. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and he's so again, he's, he's like, like talking about how he's poisoning, like how he's going to poison the well with this anger, and he like doesn't realize it. But anyway, right. At the end, you do, you're not even sure if he's going to be all right. It also doesn't matter. Kind of doesn't matter. Like, the movie presents like the only character that at the end I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Is Nicole? Like that's the only character that you're you're like, uh, I really hope she makes it out of this okay. And for for the considering her situation, it seems like she does. Yeah. Whereas like Ian Holm and his weird bitterness poisoning this town, and it's like you hope that yeah he will learn from this and and there's it never confirms it yeah it's it's very open-ended in a lot of ways but there's also had had ian holm never gone to this town sarah polly might not have gotten the opportunity uh yeah that's true to break away from her dad at least not in that moment so yeah so yeah it's the whole it's all to say that there isn't no there isn't any like like firm moral here not really Uh, it's 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 an exploration mm -hmm. into what grief would do to people yeah there's not a lot of this movie's not trying to answer too many questions which is totally totally fine like grief is a huge huge complicated nuanced emotion state of being like it's it's so this what this is you're exactly right it's more of an explanation exploration of how grief can become anger and how that can ultimately be a disservice rather than doing anything to actually help you heal or move on. Yep. But it also seems to point out that anger isn't necessarily a bad emotion either. No, not at all. Yeah. It's and not so it's, it's, it's certainly not unjustified. 
Yeah. Like it's Billy's walking... very angry, but Billy's angry at different things than Ian yeah. Holm is trying to get him to be angry about. Yeah. Nicole is angry. Yeah. Yes. But it's, again, it's, about different things. Yeah. About, yeah. about different things. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's both walking a fine line, but it also doesn't need to because it's, it's, it's morality is very centered and clear. You know, like the people who made this, who wrote it, mm-hmm. their moral compass is right on the mark. So we don't have to struggle with them trying to say something weird with it. Mm-hmm. it it's just it, it's just showing it all as it is. Uh, and you wish things could be differently, but they're not going to be. And so it's it's just showing the results of that and what the the good paths people take and the bad paths people take mm-hmm. based on what's going on. Yeah, you know some some people heal, some people don't. Uh, you know, maybe Ian Holm reunites with his daughter, and he's like, "I wouldn't have done it without a busload of dead kids." Thank you. He does Gives have a, a moment, up. like in that scene. Another thing that's really good about that scene between him and Billy um, is, you know, he's honest with him. It's the only time he's honest with any of the parents. Yeah, um, and then he gets on his phone, and this is when his daughter tells him that she's HIV positive. And yep. this is, we sort of see him relent and he's like, just, just tell me what you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Right. Uh, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, well, again, he also, it, it's, he finally, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. He does something that I don't know if he has done or not. Yeah. He also, she says, I want money. And then he starts trying to sort of cry, pry like where he's like, well, have you gotten a second test? And she's like, you don't fucking believe me. And again, it seems like his daughter isn't particularly trustworthy. No, she. Uh, that's, and, it's, it's anybody who has ever had a loved one who struggled with addiction. This is, you right. know, lying is a big part of it. It's, it's and a at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, he just says, I love you. I'm coming there. Yeah. Which feels like progress. I don't know. They don't give us enough information. From what we've seen, you, it's progress. Yeah. But it's like, we could probably guess he works a lot and he doesn't come to her Mm -hmm. and she says i love you too and she's crying and she's like i'm so scared and the realization is like she really just kind of needs his support yeah she just needs him um and he's probably just been writing checks and calling and calling clinics you know and like not really that's and that's like that's probably what she needs is to like be with him and for him and her to actually have a relationship yeah and there's that's a whole other very complicated issue but yeah that's yeah. I I I again this movie leave doesn't give us a lot of answers but it let it lets us infer a lot and that's kind of how I interpreted this, yeah and that's this. I think how a lot of good art works it's like a painting mm-hmm. where you look at a painting painting's not telling the whole story it tells you a piece of a story and then you add your own feelings and life experiences to it yeah and like I'm sure other people watching this movie might get a completely different conclusion off of it um because of where they were in life who who which character reflects them you know Mm -hmm. uh and so that's sort of the point of it all and it doesn't wrap it up it doesn't try to moralize it doesn't have it doesn't try to give us a big uh beautiful lesson in it all uh it's it's just sort of presenting this stuff as the complex situation that it is Mm -hmm. uh well, again, while some things are more complex than others, other things morally are very simple. It's all wrapped up in this big fucked up jumble. Uh, and yeah, coming out of it, you don't feel particularly bummed just because like the one piece of justice that you need watching it seems to happen. 
which is the father, the the father molesting his daughter. Yeah, we don't that's see him the, get hauled away in handcuffs, to be clear, but that's right. He doesn't pull out a gun and then and then Wesley Snipes shoots him in the White House. No, uh, none of that. Uh, and like, yeah, we would have liked it, but it's heavily implied that you know that is that progress has been made. Yeah, uh, and so that's what's important. Uh, and so like the rest of the characters, it's not trying to like it's not trying to reach a verdict on anyone no uh, and, and and her yeah yeah <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't need to it's like oh that person's a piece of shit oh that person isn't it's very clear but from what's happening mm-hmm. uh yeah very fascinating film yeah it's really really good <laughs> very good very yeah. good it's um it's tough because it's like i don't know when i could i don't know when someone would want to sit down and watch this movie it's it's a it's heavy, but it's not... Again, I didn't feel like garbage after watching it. No. But it's certainly heavy and dramatic. And so it's like, if you like a movie like that, this is a movie for you. It's just goddamn, you know? And yeah, and as somebody who's dealt with a lot of grief lately, specifically over the loss of loved ones, it, what it has to say about grief uh, was not unhelpful for me. That's so good, it's, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, you know... It gave me some stuff to think about that was like, all right. Like, right. Yeah, I do um, think it has it has a very positive thing to say about grief and anger uh, and how how to move on and all that stuff. Yeah. It's not it's not harmful in its messages at all. So that's good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Canada, yeah. man. Canada, man. Yeah. They can make There's, a movie. This, the, a story like this could have very easily turned into tragedy porn, and that is not what this is. <laughs> so, no, it's really not. It's not trying to upset you. That's really what it is. It's not trying to upset anybody. It's not. It's upsetting, but yeah. it's not trying to. The, they, they show the school bus accident, but they don't show it in graphic detail. No. Um, I would argue they never had to no, it's show not, that. It's, it's not necessary, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, before it happened, they kept showing the kids on the bus. That so I'm was just like, come fucking on. brutal enough, yeah. Yeah, they're showing, they keep showing the day and the kids riding it's the, on the uh, bus. It's the family guy gag where he's on the plane and he looks over at the nun and the kids or they're singing, we like being alive. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's their chime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much that. Um those child actors got to that's a weird role weird role because they probably just told them like you're happy you're going to school because they never incorporate child actors with the accident no it, it seems. it's it's, an, it's a special effect in point of fact when it happens yeah uh, and so like later so. the kids those child actors have to watch that movie later and be like hey you killed all of Aww, us we're all dead <laughs> you drowned us you sons of bitches you sure did yeah yeah so yeah the hell of a movie it's yeah. a movie entirely about a school bus drowning accident mm-hmm. so there's a level of bleakness yeah is all i can say built that into is, this premise yeah, yeah that is what the film is about yeah no getting around that no there's no getting around <laughs> that if someone doesn't tell you this ble- this film is bleak if they're like this is a deeply erotic film then you report that person yeah because I, I don't know what to tell you this person it's, it's needs to be, be on a, a list yeah, it's a bleak film, no matter what way you slice it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very interesting film, and I did not feel awful coming out of it. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, yeah, so, Stephen, thank you. Thank you for showing us the School Bucks a- Bus Accident movie. Yeah, this is a movie that I probably never would have gotten to. And, like, as soon as 
We no, got, how could we possibly? We got the uh, sort of assignment, I guess is the appropriate term. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, pulling this movie up, I suddenly um, remembered this movie. Like this, obviously this movie got a lot of buzz when it came yeah, out. Yeah, I actually, I think I might have seen this movie really young uh, or really drunk. I'm not sure which. Ah, uh, okay. I never, <laughs> but, I never watched it, but I do remember when this was in theaters and that it had all this yeah. buzz and it got some Oscar noms for director and screenplay, uh, but I never got around to watching it and then I f- sort of forgot it existed. So yeah genuinely thank you for reminding me that it existed yeah absolutely and again when do i get to sit down and watch this i'm never sit down and see this on amazon like ooh, school bus accident yeah Yeah, let's put that on why did i ever put that on yeah i also watched this back to back with our previous we just watched joe versus the volcano so that was my double feature a real fun saturday morning for you dave yeah it wasn't bad it Mm -hmm. woke me up yeah so yeah thanks steven uh, this was done through our Patreon. We have a, a Patreon, patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed. Uh, if you go in there, you can get custom. We just watched episodes also for just $5 a month. You get access to a bunch of our exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Fox Muller's a maniac, Star Trek, the next Futurama, Spiel boys. Mm. We also watch movies with our patrons every Friday night. This will probably not be on that list. I don't think we're going to no, throw on this doesn't the feel like This after. isn't the kind of movie you watch with a big group of people. No, you don't watch this at a party. Nah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm trying to think of an exception, but I don't think there is. Maybe like a kid's birthday party. You could throw this on I'm for the kids. I think the worst movie I've ever thrown, had been at a party that got thrown on. It might be Caligula. Yeah, that sounds about that's not right. A great, like, that sounds like a movie that would be like Honestly, fun for a group of people to watch. It's not. When I lived at that punk house, we would put on movies like this. That's why I'm like, I might have seen this drunk because we would just put on like art house films or indie films or like obscure, not obscure, but like 90s films that uh, won awards. So, you're so fucking cool, Brewster. <laughs> uh, we also have a store. Head over to GameplayUnemployed.com where we, uh, you'll find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So uh, check that out. Check it out. I did tell you I watched um, M- Monsters Ball on a date uh, and that wasn't good. Oh yeah, I did watch Monsters Ball super drunk at somebody's house with a bunch of people. Yeah. That would be it. Not the that best. That would be sitch. the one. Not the best no. sitch for Monsters no. Ball. 